Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Well, we want to jump into um, his word. Um, I got a lot of feedback from last week's message where we studied and we looked at the story of Joseph uh, and we examined that sometimes our life circumstances and those people who come against us in our lives are there for purpose. And we entitled it, How Haters Help. Um, and this week, I didn't really necessarily have a particular course of study. We've kind of deviated from our uh, series. And uh, I felt led to backpedal on our story in Genesis 37 through 50 to Genesis chapter 32. So if you meet me in your Bible, so Genesis chapter 32, and we're going to start at verse 22. I'm going to give a little backstory first. Um, this is a story of Joseph's father, Jacob. And for you who are familiar with the story of Jacob, Jacob was a fighter his whole life. Jacob was a fighter his whole life. The Bible teaches us that him and his twin brother even fought in the womb. Um, and as the story goes, uh, they strove to see who would be firstborn. Uh, in Israel, the, the, uh, the firstborn had a special privilege and a special honor for being firstborn. And Jacob, unfortunately, wasn't firstborn, but he wasn't through fighting. <laughs> he was going to find out a way that he could get that birthright that his brother Esau had gotten. And... We don't really pay close attention to names nowadays, but names were extremely important in the Bible. Names were given based on characteristics and the way that people uh, were to be, um, even to the point where people were identified by their father's names. They would say, in my, in my case, they would say SJ, son of Big J, or whatever that means, Big Sean, or something. I don't know. I didn't think that out very well. And you could identify who the child was based upon the father because the child was most likely going to have the same characteristics and attributes of the father. And so you would say that this is this person's son of this person, right? So Jesus, son of Joseph, right? Uh, and so names were vastly important. And our friend Jacob was named Jacob, which meant surplanter or trickster. Can you imagine being named con man? Can you imagine how your life would be if you grew up being named con man? Every time somebody says, come here, little con man. Come here, little trickster. And so that's Jacob's story. And so Jacob wanted his brother's birthright, and he tricked his brother into giving him his birthright. Uh, his brother didn't fight for it much. He just kind of gave it up because he was uh, a carnal man. And then he tricked his father into giving him his brother's blessing. And because of this, his brother was irate and his brother wanted to kill him. And so he fleed from his homeland uh, to go stay with his uncle. And Jacob was a good con man until he met his uncle Laban, who was a really, really good con man. <laughs> and so he learned in the school of hard knocks what a con man really was. And his uncle tricked him uh, into marrying the wrong daughter because he wanted to marry his his, his, his beloved Rachel, and he ended up not giving him Rachel, giving him Leah instead, and he didn't find out until the wedding night. Then he had to work, he worked seven years for, and then he had to end up working seven more years for his sister. And he worked for his uncle, and his uncle changed his wages like 10 times and, 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 and was always trying to get over on him. But God blessed Jacob where he was. And so God blessed Jacob in a way that his blessing was equivalent to his uncle's blessing because they were farmers. They live in an agrarian uh, culture where, uh, bring it to our day and time, he went to go work for his uncle who was a CEO of a small company. But the, by the time Jacob got through with him, he was a Fortune 500 company. And it was all directly attributed to Jacob. And so Jacob and his uncle was always cutting deals. And his uncle was always getting over on Jacob. But Jacob was still blessed by uh, his uncle. And so he got to the point where Jacob uh, was doing some work for his uncle. And the Lord had revealed some things to him. And Jacob ended up being very wealthy based upon his uncle's livestock. 
And then Jacob's uncles or his cousins start talking crazy about Jacob, about him stealing our daddy's stuff. We need to get him and all this kind of stuff. And so Jacob got scared and, and the Lord re, uh, appeared to Jacob and told Jacob, now it's time to go back home to your homeland. And if you do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show favor on you. And so that's where we pick up our story today. He was afraid of his uncle Laban. He had ran off. His uncle Laban came to check him about it. Me and Aaron talked about checking this morning. Came to check him about it. And then God, uh, God gave Joseph favor there where his uncle said, well, I ain't going to kill you if you don't try to kill me, basically. And so sometimes when we read these Bible stories, we read them kind of just over and over again. We don't see the, we don't see the, 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 the emotional things that were going on with his uncle was pursuing him to do harm to him. And now he has to go back and face his brother who the last time I talked to him, this fool was talking about killing me. And that's where we pick up our story today. Some of y'all say, you did a long explanation. See, if I don't do that, y'all won't understand the context. Understand the context. And so he's going back to face his brother, and he done came up. He got some stuff. He's, he's wealthy now. And in verse 22, it said, The same night he arose and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 children. Now, in this day and time, having 11 children meant that you was doing some stuff, needless to say. But it meant that you were, you, you, you were a city all about yourself. You were forced to be working when you had 11 kids. We have kids now so we can take Instagram pictures of them and say how cute they are. But it was a, it, 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 it was a, a, a preservation thing back in that day to have a lot of children, to have a big family. And he crossed the ford of Jabbok. So he crossed this river named Jabbok or Jabbok or Jabbawaki. I don't know. And he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. If you underline anything in your Bible, underline wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said to Jacob. And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, since for I have seen, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Limping because of his hip. Now, some of you might be saying, that is a really strange story. Why are you telling us about this story? Well, the Bible teaches us that these stories happen in the Old Testament for the people, for we might learn some things about God through the story. That we might learn some things about God through the story. Don't get it twisted. Even though it's a narrative in the Bible, everything in the Bible is about God. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus' ultimately coming and saving us from our sin. And all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for our benefit. So we can read these stories, and we can see God's characteristics in these stories, and we can see things that God will do for us and through us in these stories. Now, how many people want to be used by God? Amen. See, I see hands going up slow, like... We talked about Joseph last week. I don't know about all that. I just want to get saved and not go to the other place. That's all I want in my life. I do not, I, I still got things to do. But God is showing us over and over again through these narratives that those he uses have to come to an end of themselves. Those that he chooses to use 
have to come to an end of themselves. What do you mean by that, Pastor? You have to stop being the center of your universe. God is the center of our universe. You have to stop being the center of your universe. And oftentimes we go through things, we go through strain, we go through strife, we go through struggle so that we can come to an end of ourselves, so we can uh, get it through our thick skulls that we are not all that in a bag of chips, that the world doesn't revolve around us. And human nature is as such that we often think that we are the center of God's universe. You don't have to say it out loud, but we say it in our actions. Even when we serve others, a lot of times we do it out of what am I getting out of it? We do it under the guise, even if you're a Christian, I do it under the guise that let me do this and then God's going to bless me for blessing others. And God often does bless us because we're doing the things that he would call us to do. But we do it primarily because we have something at the other end of it. And God is trying to get us to be motivated through love. And if you look at Jacob's life up until this point, like I said, he has been a fighter his whole life. He's fought for everything that he's got. And a lot of us will say, yeah, yeah, you know, in an American culture and in American ideologies, that's what you got to do. You want to get ahead in life, you got to work hard. You got to do the things you need to do in order to get ahead in life. But here's my question for you. Are you doing those things under the guise of making your life better here on earth, or are you doing those things because God has called you to do those things? Are we really going to, listen, in our Christian faith, God is the center of our universe, or he should be. Or it should be. And that means our activities and our actions need to line up with us believing that very thing. That God, you are the center of my universe. And unless unless we're willing to do that, we can just expect that our lives will continue to be what our lives have been up until this point. Has anybody wrestled with God? Right? We all do. We all wrestle with God, right? When he tells us to do something that we really don't want to do, but we, fa- but we say that he's God and we say that he's all-knowing, and so what he's telling me to do is ultimately the best choice, but I choose not to do it because it's not comfortable for me. Or I choose not to do it because I just don't want to do it. I don't want to go through the pain of doing it, whether that means swallowing my pride or, 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 or giving up of my time or doing some things in order to be closer to God. I don't want to do it. Now, before I go any further in this message, let me tell you something. You don't have to work for your relationship with God, but you have to work at it. You don't have to work for it, but you got to work at it. As a believer, you are his and you belong to him and you're in him. So you don't have to work for any other thing positionally. But in order for that relationship to be good and and beneficial to you and and beneficial to you knowing more about God, you have to work at it. I'm going to give you an example. Me and my wife are married. At least that's what the state of Texas says. On that piece of paper, I have certain obligations to her because we are in covenant together. I don't have to work for that relationship. I'm already in that relationship. But don't you know I got to work at it? And it's the same with God. God is not this distant being way out in the universe who's just like, like taking care of, you know, we think God takes care of big stuff, but he don't really care about the little stuff. Well, God is big enough to take care of the big stuff and care about the little stuff. The Bible tells us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. If it's big enough for you to care about it, God cares about it. And if you think that God can't care about your situation or your circumstances, you've made God too little. You got a pocket-sized God that you pull out when situations get tough. When situations get, and you just kind of call them up. And then when you're through with them, you put them right back in your pocket. Let me take that example back because, I, you know, sometimes you get the stuff on, some of y'all care more about this than you care about God. All right, I'm going to preach this sermon this morning. I'm sorry. Rabbit trail number one. And so God is trying to bring us. Listen, if you want to go forth in God, and I'm not talking to everybody in the room. I know a room this size, I'm not talking to everybody. But if you want to go forth in God and do the things that God is calling you to do, guess what you got to do? You got to come to an end of yourself. You got to come to an end of protecting yourself. Like, God, I really don't want to do that because what, what, what might the circumstances be if I do what your word says? You got to come to an end of that. You got to come to an end of arguing with every word that God says. Well, so, you know, in the Greek, it said this, so that can't be what God is really saying. You don't speak Greek. 
That's not what God is really saying. And so we see Jacob going back to face his brothers after God had already told him, go back to the land that you came from, because ultimately, listen to this, Jacob had to get to where he was going so that last week we talked about Joseph had to get to where he was going. So ultimately, Moses had to get to where he was going so that the law will be given and people can know God for who he is. That's why when he asked God, he said, what is your name? He said, why are you asking me my name? I ain't ready to reveal my name to you yet. Because God understood some things about his name was his character. His name was associated with his character. That's why there's so many names for God. Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha. There's all these names for God because they all reveal something different about God's character. And so he was saying, what is your name? And he said, don't worry about that. Why are you asking me my name? Why are you asking me my name? I'm not ready to let them know that I am Elohim yet. And he was always referred to the God of my fathers, the God of my father's father. And so God was getting them to a place where he wanted to relationally show him that he was coming to an end of himself because he had something to do. Now, like I said last week, that doesn't mean that you got something big to do, but the little things are just as important to God. The little things are just as important to God. You don't read this story about Jacob and say, well, he's going to start a whole nation out of me. Now, don't, don't, don't you go there. But he got some stuff for you to do. So let's take a look at the scripture. In verse 22, we see that he arose and he took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 children. And he crossed the ford of Jabbok, this river going back to where he was. And he crossed it. And here's the thing. All this stuff is very significant. The word Jabbok, it literally means emptying. He crossed this thing that meant that he was going to empty himself. All of us, a lot of us will say, God, fill me up. But God can't fill you up because you're not empty yet. You're not empty yet. You got all this other stuff going on in your life and all these other plans. And listen, God is not, he's a gentleman. He's not going to just bust in and make you change your plans. He's going to say, go ahead, do what you got to do. But if you want me, it's going to cost you something. Again, you don't have to work for the relationship, you got to work at it. And some of you know, listen, I hate preaching messages like this. I promise in a couple of weeks, now it's going to be hard then too. But listen, God knows you. The problem is you don't know you. He knows you. He, he knows that you don't know you. And he's trying to get you to empty yourself so that he can fill you up with him and give you exactly what you say you want. But the problem is we don't really want what we say we want. We have a romanticized idea of what we want. Okay, married people in the house. Before you got married to your boo thing, your sugar honey lump, you had this idea of what marriage was going to be. Even if you went to premarital cancer and they say it's going to be hard, you're like, you understand me and my boo thing, though. Me and Mrs. Jones got a thing going on. Right? You understand? My, and people are trying to warn you. Listen, 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 listen. I understand you love boo-boo, but it's going to come a time when y'all sleep in the same bed and snoring and all that stuff happens. And when his sick pack turns into a keg, it's going to test your love. Right now, it's cute y'all wake up and y'all jog in the morning. Y'all meet each other. And drink smoothies. But kids gonna come and stuff start moving south. <laughs> Attitudes start happening. Y'all ain't had a real fight yet. Y'all had a spat and then y'all made up and you know he brought you chocolate and you giggled. <laughs> but it's gonna come a time when y'all don't talk for weeks because you haven't entered into that relationship fully yet. And that's sometimes we enter that relationship with God because people, they sell us a bill of good. I want to slap the person who told me about Jesus, told me come get my heart and life to Jesus. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be great. Turn up. <laughs> then you start reading the Bible, stress, struggle, and strain. Hold on. He didn't tell me about all this stuff in the brochure. And God is getting us to a place where we can empty ourselves of all that stuff that we've always had. Joseph can empty, him, empty himself of all that, those con man ways so that God can fill him up. Because he couldn't do the things that God wanted him to do while he was still the way that he was. And you got to have time out for saying that this is just the way I am. 
This is the way my big daddy was. This is the way my granddaddy was. This is the way my grandmama was. And I ain't going to be no different. It's time out for that. God is trying to take you someplace else. And most importantly, he's trying to take you to that place in him. So he had to empty himself. And he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. Listen, he all of his accomplishments, everything that he had acquired up until this point, he sent them across the stream. And watch this in verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. I believe this is the biggest challenge in a lot of our walk and a lot of our lives. We don't know how to be alone with God. Even in our alone time. I'm pull out this example again. Read my Bible on the phone. Hold on, hold on. Somebody texted me. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I did put that post on Facebook. Let me go on and check and see how many likes I got. Real quick. Yeah. They liking that on Facebook. Yeah. I got new Life's and Candy Crush. Hold on. And it goes on. I'm the only one. Start reading the Bible on your phone, and 30 minutes later, you're like, wait, wait, wait. I was reading the Bible. Let me get on my iPad. Oh, I got notifications on this thing, too. Where the paper Bible go? Am I the only one? Well, sit down and you're about to read your Bible and the phone rings and it's an emergency. And then you forgot you were going back to the Bible. Or someone comes through and says, hey, you know what's on TV right now? Oh, let me check that out. We don't spend a long time with God the way that God wants us to spend a long time. We live in a, such a distracted distractions. Real story, real talk. Nobody raise your hand. You set time to pray, and five minutes into it, your mind done wandered 17 times. I said, don't raise your hand. So distracted, you can't even follow directions. I said, distractions. But he was left alone. And watch this. When he was alone, when he was in this quiet place, and now don't get me wrong, he was under some stress. He was about to face something that he didn't want to face. And a lot of us will never face the thing that Jacob was about to face. Like, we, 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 we face drama, but we don't face imminent death. He's facing this thing. He's stressed out about this thing, but he's obeying God. He's moving towards God. And the Bible says in verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. Now, look what happens when he was left alone. You need to see this. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When he was alone, when he was away from his distractions, when he was away from the things that he was trying to protect, guess what happened? Somebody showed up. A lot of us, we, I just want God to show up in my life and God to do what God will do. But have you been alone long enough for God to show up? I like that. And so what God will do is God will speak. But the scriptures tells us he's not in the storms. He's not in the fires. He's not in the big things of life. He says he's a still, quiet voice. And God will get our attention, sometimes with a yell, but most of the time God gets our attention like this. Hey, come here. Now, if everybody in the room is yelling, you wouldn't even hear that. Come here. Let me holler at you for a minute. Let me help you hide your soul for a minute. You got all this stuff going on in your life. Let me, let me, let me holler at you. Let me show you more of me. Let me reveal more of myself to you. Because I'm good and my ways are just. And so he got in a alone place. And a man showed up to wrestle with him to the breaking of day. I love this part, verse 25. You need to check this out because there's this, there's this transition that happens in our distracted life. When we allow God to be the initiator, he says, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip socket was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, watch this, let me go for the day is broken. 
Last time I checked, he the one that started the fight. <laughs> he started the fight. He realized that Jacob wasn't going to let him go. Now, I ain't never been in like a real, real fight like this, like, like, like wrestling, you know, like, like wrestling, wrestling. But I know when I used to be a kid and I used to wrestle, like wrestling take it out of you. It ain't like a couple of punches are thrown. You say, man, they break it up. Like wrestling, take it out of you. I ain't never wrestled this long. This was an all-night wrestling match. Because God was trying to get Jacob to come to the end of himself. He was trying to do some things in Jacob. But then he said, the day is coming. I got to go. And Jacob just started holding on to him. Like, yeah, he put the figure four leg lock on him. Like, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow used to do or something. And watch this. He said, let me go. But he touched his hip and his hip was out of socket. He could have made him let him go if he wanted him to. I, that's just the way I read the Bible. Anybody else? Like, if I'm touching your hip and your hip just. <laughs> and you walking like this, I can make you let me go. I touch your arm and that thing, you know. God initiated the wrestling because he had to transform him. And then he allowed himself to stay there as long as the person he initiated it with wanted him there. God is initiating wrestling matches in our lives every single day. Every single day. Are we man and woman enough to say, God, bless me. He came to a place when you get face to face with God. You come to a place where you understand that you are insignificant in the universe. That's the reason right there. A lot of us don't pray. I wish I was lying. When you stand before God or kneel before God and you pray, you know, you know, God is going to show you you. And we don't want us to be seen. So we stay away from God. But Jacob had the wherewithal to respond in a way that he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I've come to an end of myself, and I understand that you're going to have me to continue forward. And I know that I can't go forward without a blessing. I know I can't achieve what you're telling me to achieve unless you're in my life. Jacob was all in at this point, but he had to say to God, listen, 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 you can go, but listen, bless me first. We have to understand the ideology of blessing. The person who blessed the person was saying, now I'm endowing you to do what I just blessed you to do. But we're busy being Jacob's trying to do it on our own. The birthright was given, but Jacob did it on his own. His father's blessing was given, but he got it on his own. And now he's standing face to face with God. He's standing face to face with his past. And he's saying, you know what? Your blessing is the only blessing that matters. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now watch this. Why do we go through all this? Why do we go through all this? Verse 27. And he said to him, what is your name? What do they call you? What's your character like? What you about? Well, you know, they call me Trickster. OG too short from the O2. Oh, east side. That's what they call me. Brother, you know you have a nickname. Stop that. They call me Trickster. After the blessing, he said, listen, your name ain't that no more. Somebody needs to hear this today. When you come face to face with God, he will change your name. We have to long to be face to face with God. He will change your name. He said, listen, they're not going to call you that no more. They're not going to call you that no more. Your name shall no longer be called Trickster. 
but Israel. Depending on who the translator is, prince of God, he wrestles with God. Now you're rolling with me. The Bible says he's given us a new name. The Bible says that he'll change our stone hearts for a heart of flesh. He will change who we are. He's saying your characteristics are now. So listen, you roll with me now. Why? For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, I don't know about you, but anybody watch boxing? You know you watch boxing? Okay, you watch boxing, and you sit there, and they punch each other nine rounds, ten rounds, or whatever, and it goes to decision. The judges then make an observation of who won the fight based on who had the best punches, based upon who had the best pace in the fight, right? Anybody boxing fans? Right? So you tell me, after you heard about this fight, that Jacob prevailed. If you put, on, if you put money on this fight, you'd be mad. How you say Jacob won with God? He touched his hip. The boy don't walk the same no more. (laughs) How did Jacob prevail with God? Because Jacob got what he came to get. He got what he came to get. God let him win. How do you strive with God? How should you strive with God? How should you get God's attention where God is saying, I got to go, and you're saying, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me through prayer? That's how we come face to face with God, through prayer. Prayer has to take a different priority in our lives if we're going to go forward with God and move forward with God. The Bible says that before you called upon me, I answered your prayers. Before you fixed your mouth to pray the prayer that you're about to pray, God heard your prayer and answered your prayer. I don't know how you do that. That's some kind of cosmic stuff. I can't even wrap my mind around. Before you say it, God heard it and answered. Prayer is our conduit to God. Why are we so prayerless in the church? Because we're Jacob's. We like to do it on our own. I don't want to owe no man nothing. I ain't going to even owe God nothing. We'd rather do the situation than pray about the situation. And something in our American mentality has told us just praying about it ain't enough. Help me, Lord. Like I say, I don't just preach to you. I preach to myself. Because I can wake up and do some things tomorrow morning. I can make some phone calls and get some stuff accomplished. But would that be the will of God? Is that the way that God would want it to happen? Remember Joseph last week? Hey, when you see Pharaoh, tell him about your boy. Two more years he waited because it wasn't God's timing. And God has one of three answers when you pray to him. Yes, no, not right now. Which means wait. And we hate wait. Right. If you like me, I just tell people, they say, wait, I say, wait, break the wagon down, man. Come on, let's get it. And prevailed. Then Jacob said, please, babe, give me your name. And he said, why you ask my name? And he blessed him where? There. He blessed him at the point of the wrestling match. He didn't say, man, I'm going to bless you next week, next Tuesday when you heal up. He blessed him there. If you're looking for the blessing of God in your life, and I'm not talking about new Cadillac, new house, new car. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the presence of God being real in your life. Listen, how many of us in the room, don't raise your hand, the people that are around you would say, man, they carry the presence of God. But how many of us in the room know some old saints? They used to tarry before the Lord in prayer. And every time he was around that old saint, you say, Mama Jenkins know the Lord. 
Deacon Beverly, man, that man be in the presence of God. I remember, man, I used to uh, go to this uh, young lady. She wasn't young. She was an older lady. Her house, and we would got marriage counseling from her and stuff like that, and we would, I would go check on her from time to time. This woman just prayed all day long. Fifth grade, sixth grade, reading level. Wasn't a whole lot to her life. But if you needed somebody to talk to Jesus on your behalf, she would call me up at work some days. Call Anne-Marie. Get my work phone number. Call me up at work. Why you? She told me, baby, why are you up there tripping? I didn't know it was. I didn't have a call ID. I'm like, <laughs> what you talking about tripping? That's what I want to say. But some told me, pause. Don't you do that. She said, you don't even know who this is, do you? I said, no. It's mom. Oh, how you doing? Listen, don't you let that little blonde supervisor with the blue eyes, she, she, she named my supervisor to a T. Ruin your day, got you acting all sideways. You know you go out on Wednesdays and evangelize to the men on the streets. They need it. You talking about not doing it and going home because you just having a bad day. I'm in the cubicle like this. <laughs> and she said, before you think it, your wife didn't tell me. The Lord told me. Yes, ma'am, I'm going. <laughs> Could somebody say that about you? How many people in your circle of influence is like that? I don't think God stopped doing that. I don't think God has stopped when you're going to certain people's, the older saints' house, because they didn't have the internet and all these distractions and all this stuff that we have to empty ourselves of. And they didn't have to, and you go in their house and you just felt prayer. Am I talking to anybody? Anybody been around these houses? It just had a smell of prayer in the house. Yeah, somebody been praying up in here. It's like when you go into a good barbecue restaurant. You know what I mean? No, they, 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 don't, they, don't, they don't let that marinate. That's what God wants for us. You might be saying, that'll never be me, but God wants it for you. That's the normal Christian life. That should not be abnormal. That shouldn't be one in ten Christians. That should be all of us. We all have a lifeline to God. And if we're going to go further in God, we have to get to a place where we come to an end of ourselves and say, God, you know what? Your way, not my way. Even Jesus had to do that. When he was going to the cross, he said, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. Do we have anybody who's seeking the will of God? And he blessed them there. For I've seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Last verse. Then, then this, oh, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. Then, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Then the sun rose upon him, and he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. That experience with God mocked him forever. Some of us are scared to go forth with God and do the thing God has told us to do because some of us have already experienced God in a life-altering way, and we still have the limp to prove it. But God's going to use you limp and all. But you got to work at it. You got to work at it. So what do we take from the story today? One, we have to get to the place of emptying. We have to get to the place of emptying. All the distraction, all the past events that hurt us, we got to get to a place where we can empty that out before God's feet. It is imperative. You can't allow your past to keep you from moving forward with God. Allow him to facilitate a space for you to empty before him. 
I know the devil's in your ear. I know your family still talk bad about you from the way that that, that, that went down. I know you still have the scar at work that you did the thing at work and everybody knows you about for that at work. But listen, you got to allow all that stuff to just be emptied. No matter what nobody else think about you. They hated on Jesus. What make you think they ain't going to hate on you? That's serious. I got so I got so disgruntled in one season of my life, I changed my ring. I ain't changed the ring back since. It's called I'll be the bad guy the villain, if that's how you're feeling. That's what my ring will do. Call me right now. That's what it's going to do. It's gonna, I'm going to jam to it, too. Everybody ain't going to like you. And some people are going to point out your limp. Why are you limping? I'm limping because I've been in the presence of God. Why are you limping? We got to get to the place of emptying. And we can't fight it. And when we allow God to fill us up, guess what he fills us up for? To pour out. So that we can get filled up again. And then we can pour out. So we can get filled up again and pour out. You might as well, you might as well name it and claim it. You're a little teaspot, short and stout. Here's your handle. Here's your spout. When the fire gets turned up, hear me shout. Tip me pour. Pour me out. And we're going to use that teapot pot until Jesus comes home. So Paul said, he said, I'm going to drink off and pour it out. Drink off and ain't meant to just sit up on the aisle full. Second, got to get to a place of emptying. Second, we got to get to an alone place with God. I'm urging you this week, this week, Start evaluating your schedule and finding a long time with God. Start out small. If you got to start out small, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Hey, I ain't putting the time on you. You don't put the time on you. But long time. And enough long time so that you can just get the distractions out of your mind and just sit before God. We live in a, we live in a, we like, we live in a culture now where, like, you, can, you don't ever have to be bored. You don't ever have to be bored. I mean, when I was a kid, like, we only had three channels. And they weren't cartoons. So you was all out the neighborhood, running around, sweating, doing stuff. Like, I was never, I wish I would have told my mama I was bored. Are you bored? Hey, there's some, there's, there's some stuff under the house. You need to go get that stuff from under the house and go. I ain't bored. Anybody else had a mama like that? Oh, you bored? Okay, okay. Come down to the laundromat with me. No, 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 I ain't bored. No, you and I already said it. I'm going to give you something to do. We just go outside and we just spend time outdoors. Came back and told my mom, said, you smell like outdoors. Well, I was just outdoors. <laughs> but finding time to spend with God. I used to love having a, well, I have a yard now, but... Um, that's another story. But I used to love getting in my yard and, and cutting the grass. It was my long time with God. So I'm not talking about you have to be kneeling at a desk or with your hands up like that. But I would just, because I'm doing mindless stuff, gardening or whatever, I'm just, I'm just pushing the lawnmower back and forth. And Emory used to think I was crazy. I'd be sweating. I'd run in the house and I'd write something down. And I'd go back, what is wrong with this dude? I can't forget it. God spoke to me while I was cutting the grass. Maybe yours is driving on the on drive and just looking at, like, just find a space where you can have a long time. And you're not got the podcast on. You don't have the, just a long time with God. And when you're driving, don't start singing Jesus, take the wheel and act like he's going to grab the wheel. That's dangerous. <laughs> but find time to get along with God, away from the distractions. We fight against being alone. We fight against quiet. How many people got a TV running at the house just to, for the noise? Just walk by and then, oh, man, rush hour again. You done watched rush hour 752 times. You know every line in the movie. I wish Color Purple would come on again. I ain't seen Color Purple in a while, though. Miss Sophia said, my whole life I had to fight. <laughs> then find time to dialogue with God. Now, notice I'm saying your alone time and your dialogue time with God, I'm making that separate. Because in the long time, God initiated something. And then when they start wrestling, they had a dialogue. 
Just a long time. Just, just time to, to depress, decouple. How many of us, don't raise your hand, how many of us exercise a Sabbath? It was in the Old Testament for a reason. You work six, give me one. He didn't say, give me one. Spend time with me on that one. Sabbath. Now, I'm not saying your Sabbath has to be Saturday, like the Jews, or Sunday, whatever. But find a day of just rest. Like, you know what? Them dirty clothes going to be there tomorrow. For real. That stuff is going to be there. Find a day to rest. Our cycles are all up. We just go, 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 go. And then we want to relax. What we do? Netflix and chill. Well, I, I, well, you know what I'm talking about Netflix, but not the chill, like the, them young children talking about chill. <laughs> binge watch. That's what I'm going to say next time. Binge watch. Thank y'all for correcting me. <laughs> want to slow down and we binge watch and we consume and our mind never slows down. It never rests. It never rests. It never rests. But that's how God has designed us. That's what God speaks. That's what God speaks. Finally, don't fight your brokenness. Don't fight your brokenness. Allow God to talk to you in your brokenness. We try to get all covered up and looking nice before we go before God and present ourselves all nice. God got x-ray vision just like Superman. He see right through your nice outfit. He see through your lies. How you do? Well, Lord, you know, and you come with those. Who, like, when you when you by yourself, do you pray to God with those big old fluffy words? Stop it. I'm not, listen. I, okay, I'm sorry. I get in trouble. I'm not trying to tell you how to pray. But when you go approaching like like the personal savior in your brokenness, oh benevolent and magnificent, oh elated one. And you do that for like 40 minutes before you tell God what you want. <laughs> Go in there and say, God, I'm broken today. My heart hurts today. God, you're holy. I respect your holiness. I love you for your holiness, God. But I need a hug today, God. Can you send a heavenly hug my way? God, I feel this way. I want to slap the taste buds out of his mouth. If you don't think you can pray like that, look at the Psalms. <laughs> David be like, God, if I could, I'd chop his neck off. Ooh, I, I can't even say some of the stuff David wants to say. Then by the end of it, he's like, nevertheless, you are holy. <laughs> God don't expect us to go to him with no emotion at all. God, you know, my brother Esau trying to kill me. Help me, Lord. Man, you better be in there. Man, I got kids. <laughs> I got a mortgage, God. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Don't clean yourself up for prayer. It's like taking a bath before you get in the bathtub. Don't make no sense. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm sorry, y'all. Life is meant. I'm going to leave y'all with these words before we do our reflection time. Life is meant to be lived, not kept up with. Life is meant to be lived, not kept up with. How many of us is just working to live? Work because I got to pay the mortgage payment. Work because I got to pay the car note. Work because I got to do this. Work gotta, and you ain't got time to do nothing else but work so that you can, that you can enjoy your life. And you ain't really enjoying your life because you all, all this work. Life is not meant to be maintained. Y'all need to hear that. That equals status quo in your life. I'm just going to maintain my life until we get old. I've been thinking about Brother, uh, uh, Brother Ray's statement a lot lately. He can say life is like a roll of toilet paper. The older you get, the faster it goes. <laughs> Y'all know that. 
Y'all go to the bathroom and look at that toilet paper. Man, got to go to the store. Before you know it, didn't go to the store. Be yelling for kids to pass you something in. Y'all know y'all do that too. But that's what life is like. It goes fast, and you, you spend your whole life maintaining your life, and then you get to the end of your life, and you understand you ain't got much more life to maintain, and now you're trying to hurry up and do all this stuff. Everybody call them midlife crises. I don't know. I ain't been through one yet, but I might be on my way to one. <laughs> men, we bad at this, men. I said I was going to let y'all go, didn't I? But we bad at this, men. We get 45, 50 years old. We want to go buy a Porsche and go start working out because we done spit our leave your wife because you're having a midlife crisis. Because you maintained your life up until this point. And now you want to relive your glory days. Gonna try to try for the NFL. You're 45 years old. You better sit down somewhere. <laughs> Cowboys cop probably could use you, though. <laughs> I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm just saying, we could use some folks. Dedication and heart. Um, yeah. Don't maintain your life. It needs to be like a drink offering poured out. Take some risks. Walk in an area of your life that don't make sense. What you mean you finna go and talk to your brother? He said he gonna kill you, but God said. What do you mean you gonna start the nonprofit organization? You ain't got no time to be, but God said. What do you mean you're going to change careers and halfway in the middle of your career? But God said. What you talking about having more kids? I heard God. Husband's like, it better be a burning bush too. <laughs> I heard God. I heard God. I don't believe that many people will accomplish the will of God Playing it safe. For the next few moments, I just want you to think about the things in your life that maybe you felt like God was trying to get a hold of, but you haven't slowed down for enough time to even pray about it. The things in your life that God is possibly trying to do, but you haven't slowed down long enough to get into his presence. I want you to put them before God right now. And begin to ask God to show you ways of accomplishing his will. And for many of us, that's going to be taking a step. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.